0: I wasn't sure what to write about this week because I'm at that stage of lockdown where I'm so sick of every single piece of media that I'm barely finishing a movie. I haven't even watched a crime procedural this week, which is very out of character for me. (laughs) Normally, when I feel like this, I'd watch something nostalgic and low impact, like 10 Things I Hate About You or something. And it was while I was on the quest for the perfect late 90s teen flick to soothe my soul that I realised that they'd remade one of the all time classics. 1999 She's All That had gotten a 2021 update as He's All That. The reviews were like overwhelmingly bad. <laughs> and not unfairly so. I watched it, it's not very good. And then I sort of wondered whether I was being unfair and if She's All That was actually also very bad. But then I rewatched it and it's not. <laughs> and just like that, I'd finished watching two movies. And I had a topic for this week's podcast. Miracles do happen. I'm Alex. This is Pop Culture Boner, the podcast edition. And today I'm thinking about He's All That. have a tendency to think about the mid to late 90s and maybe the early 2000s as some kind of golden age for the teen flick. Never Been Kissed, Drive Me Crazy and 10 Things I Hate About You are three that come to mind. Plus there were darker ones like Cruel Intentions and Jawbreaker and sex comedies like American Pie. I'm obviously pretty biased because I was an actual preteen slash teen when these films came out but I don't think it's all nostalgia. They have really distinctive styles of set dressing, world building and storytelling that teen films today either replicate or give a nod to. So it kind of makes sense, given that it's now been two decades since the turn of the century, that we're starting to see some of these late 90s classics be revisited and remade. If you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of 90s teen films, that's okay. I'm here to refresh your memory. She's All That is a modern adaptation of Pygmalion slash My Fair Lady, and it's kind of the quintessential 90s makeover flick. Zack Seiler, played by 90s heartthrob Freddie Prince Jr., is the most popular guy in school, but then his girlfriend dumps him for a reality TV star while on spring break, which really messes with his credibility. <laughs> he decides that she's replaceable, but his friend Dean, played by the late, great Paul Walker, disagrees and bets him that he can't make over an uggo into a prom queen. Enter Lainey Boggs, played by Rachel Lee Cook, a girl who we're supposed to believe is unlovable because she's a vaguely politically aware art nerd who's of a slightly lower socioeconomic status than her peers. As Dean makes the decision, Zach tries to backpedal, saying, look, fat I can handle, weird boobs, bad personality, maybe some sort of fungus... But come on, scary and inaccessible is another story. But alas, Lainey is the one. And after a few false starts involving performance art and beach volleyball, Lainey gets a hot girl makeover courtesy of Zack's sister and is nominated for prom queen. The pair start to develop feelings for each other, but since this isn't part of Dean's plan, he tries to derail Zack by telling Lainey about the bet and trying to sleep with her. Zack and Lainey end up going to prom separately, Lainey fails to secure the prom queen title, meaning that Zack has lost the bet, but it's all fine because they realise they're in love and kiss, thus ending the film on a high note. When you hear people jokingly talk about the makeover where the allegedly hideous girl takes off her glasses to reveal that she's actually been beautiful this whole time, she's all that is usually at the top of their mind, even if they don't know it. The makeover trope is as old as the hills. Like I said this film is based on My Fair Lady but everything from Grease to The Princess Diaries and beyond has some version of it. But the very minimal nature of Lainey's makeover in She's All That is something that's often mocked. Essentially Zach's sister takes her hair out of a ponytail, removes her glasses and swaps her overalls for a dress and suddenly she's socially acceptable. It's admittedly a pretty ridiculous excuse for a transformation, but the film itself is pretty camp. It features an extended choreographed dance sequence to the Rockefeller skank for no real reason, plus an entire sidebar where Matthew Lillard is flinging himself around beautifully as a dyslexic volleyball player starring in MTV's The Real World and stealing Freddie Prince's girl. And in this household, we love Matthew Lillard. (laughs) Anyway, with features that iconic, I suppose a remake was probably inevitable. Cue He's All That, which was released onto Netflix and stars Addison Rae, who got famous for dancing on TikTok and has now dabbled in singing as well as acting. This switched-up version follows Paget, played by Rae, who is a beauty influencer building out a college fund with her massive social media following. She's publicly humiliated when she catches her boyfriend, also an influencer, cheating on her with a backup dancer on a live stream. For some reason, people decide they hate her, and her follower count drops and she loses her sponsorship. Like Zach before her, she dubs the void totally replaceable and vows to build her following back up by making someone over. Her friend Alden proposes the bet to make Governego into a prom king, and after rejecting some people who look objectively harder to transform, they settle on Cameron, resident sad photographer and horse boy. After finding an inn through his younger sister, Paget gets close enough to Cameron to convince him to get a makeover before a Great Gatsby themed party. Eventually they develop feelings for each other, but Alden reveals herself to be vying for Padgett's prom queen title and also sleeping with her ex-boyfriend. In an attempt to fully take Paget out of the running, Alden also reveals the bet to Cameron. But fear not, because after a weird dance-off and a heartfelt speech about being yourself, all is forgiven, and Cameron and Paget ride off into the sunset on horses, having ditched college to travel around the world. And yes, they are literally on horses. (laughs) Like its predecessor, the premise of He's All That is pretty silly, But unlike its predecessor, the execution of it is objectively pretty bad. (laughs) And if I wanted to, I could do what most of the internet seems to have done, which is rip it into tiny shreds and also mount impassioned defences of the original. But I think what I actually was thinking about while I was watching this 21st century reinvention of the wheel was things that they've chosen to change in this update. The desire to swap the gender dynamics the desire to shoehorn in technology as a key dynamic into the power play, the fact that the whole film seems to be geared towards TikTok content and consumption, while also weirdly trying to tug on the nostalgia strings for people in my age bracket. It's a pretty odd combination all over, so I thought we could take a look at some of those things in more detail, and if we're agreeing that the execution of these updates is bad here, think about what an improved execution of He's All That might look like. Get into it, shall we? The best place to start is at the top with the biggest update the gender swap. Our disgruntled misanthrope and their popular counterparts switch it up so we have six weeks to make a prom king instead. A revelation, sort of. Not, not really. <laughs> I think that when we think about makeovers in 90s teen movies, because of the overwhelming popularity of a couple of specific classics, we do tend to think about a difficult girl being transformed into something lovable, usually so that she can fit the romantic interests of a male lead. I'm thinking about films like 10 Things I Hate About You, and obviously She's All That fits the bill too. However, I would argue that this difficult girl to dateable woman version of events was also solidified as being common in the audience's mind by the 2001 spoof Not Another Teen Movie, which lifted the plot of She's All That verbatim while also pulling in references to everything from John Hughes to American Pie to Varsity Blues and beyond. I think the weird internal logic is for something to be worthy of such broad stroke parody, it must be the most common version of the thing. Except that actually the most common version of the trope is women leading the charge on makeovers, whether it's for men, like in Drive Me Crazy, or for other women, like in Clueless, for themselves, like in Never Been Kissed, or everyone, as part of some Machiavellian working that no high school student could realistically ever come up with. Like cruel intentions. <laughs> like I said at the top, the makeover trope is as old as the hills, but given that the physical transformation aspect usually means some sort of aesthetic overhaul, there's almost always a woman at the helm to go shopping and apply makeup. Which begs the question. What's the actual point of the gender swap in He's All That? I'm not overly cynical about reproducing nostalgia pieces led by women. I think I'm one of about three people that actually enjoyed the all-girl reboot of Ghostbusters. But I do think that the better moments of those films usually come when they acknowledge the change and how that would actually make things different. Not to go off on an action movie tangent, as is my wont. But one of my favourite trends that I've seen in film recently has been the change in fight choreography to reflect the size and shape of the lead actresses. It's all well and good for your Ronda Rousey types to bash their way through a crowd, but I'm not going to believe some English waif just doing her first blockbuster can roundhouse kick a villain through a wall no effort. I do believe, however, that she'd try and smash his head in with a toaster. It doesn't have to be a complete conceptual overhaul, is what I'm saying. Sometimes it's just five seconds taken to reinforce your right hook with a heavy household object. He's All That doesn't have the metaphorical toaster right hook. Cameron's just expected to want the makeover because Paget is a self-professed makeover queen and she says he needs one. He doesn't even put up a fight when she cuts his hair – which, having seen the impassioned defenses of unwashed shoulder-length mops that teen boys will mount if ever challenged, is maybe the most unrealistic part of the film for me. Either way, the swap feels completely pointless, which only serves to underscore the fact that Netflix seems to have hijacked a cheap IP to use as a vehicle for Addison Ray. Netflix has got to grab the TikTok teen market somehow, and it might as well be with the platform's third most followed creator. On a related side note, which I promise is leading on to another point, one of the other things that's really funny to me about the makeover is that one of the ways they develop Cameron's character is by giving him band shirts to wear under his flannels. Nothing says Teen Rebel like a Stooges t shirt under a flannel, right? (laughs) But for some reason, in one scene, he's wearing a Gigi Allen shirt. Uh, Gigi Allen, famously remembered as the most revolting man in punk rock, a man who was arrested at least 52 times, definitely went to jail, and was notorious for shitting on stage, self-mutilation, getting into fights with the audience, amongst other even more unsavory things that I can't mention because they make me physically sick. That Gigi Allen. <laughs> The idea that someone unironically interested in Gigi Allen would accept a makeover from a social media influencer so that they can fall in love and become prom king is deeply funny to me. But it's also really funny to me in the context of the overall sanitization of this film. So She's All That was made in the 90s and the teens were um, definitely teens, sometimes jarringly so. In the opening scenes two girls in Lainey's art class approach her to suggest that in order to really be appreciated as an artist she should just kill herself. Everyone drinks and has sex. There are several scenes where even the popular kids on sports teams are chuffing down cigarettes like their lives depend on it. (laughs) Even just the tame stuff like the fact that Zach's part of the bet involves him being nude for graduation or that two bullies were made to eat their own pubes are kind of like gross and a bit explicit. Now obviously not all teenagers behave badly or drink or smoke or have sex, but underdeveloped frontal lobes make stupid choices. And stupid choices make the selfish bets, the gross pranks, and the -the over-the-top house parties that drive most of the plot of She's All That. He's all that on the other hand is so clean that the kids are drinking mocktails at parties where their parents are present albeit hiding inside a really big cake. The one guy that they reference as selling weed is quickly swept to the side with he's probably selling them kale chips. And then as if to double down on that he actually eats a kale chip out of the baggie. I can understand the impulse to sanitize Some of the excesses of 90s teen flicks. Times change. People want more considered portrayals of sex and drugs, even in comedic endeavours. But He's All That is so keen to try and avoid any and all potential bad teen behaviours that when the film's one single fuck drops, I jumped because it felt so out of place. (laughs) Which is why the Gigi Allen shirt is so funny to me. This film couldn't even drop more than one F-bomb or reference weed without confirming that it definitely wasn't weed. But sure, our sad boy protagonist is definitely listening to the practically unlistenable music of the murder junkies, no problem. I think the reason that this film had to be so clean was the number of sponsors involved in its making. Now, the product placement in the film was excruciatingly obvious. At one point, Cameron wants to leave the party and his friend goes, no, we should stay for the Pizza Hut. And then the camera pans out over a bunch of Pizza Hut boxes. And then later in the same scene, when they do decide that they're actually going to leave, his friend says, can I take a bucket of KFC? Before pulling a family-sized bucket into the shot. Everyone's always eating chips uh, and conspicuously sipping branded water. It's very prominent and that's not a new concept really. I remember similar conspicuous sips of Pepsi or Coke in big budget summer flicks but there are over 50 sponsors that are thanked in the credits of He's All That including Bose Speakers, Old Navy, uh, Lexus, Garnier, Frito-Lay, Pyrex. It does explain away some of the weirder moments in the film, like when the villain spends a really conspicuous amount of time punching in the security code to lock up their house and then you realise that one of the film's main sponsors was ADT, the security company, for some reason. Each of those brands is going to have a list of content that is brand safe and my guess would be underage drinking and nudity probably are not on the list. If I can get my entertainment industry tin hat on a little bit here, this movie seems really designed to test the waters of Netflix's cross-promotional abilities with other platforms. They have a TikTok star at the center, they're filtering in brand safe content into an otherwise ad-free platform. If it's embedded into the content, then it gives Netflix another stream of revenue to sink into film and limited series production, which they famously already heavily spend on. This has the overall knock-on effect of making these characters a little toothless. Like, Pageant can't be a vain mean girl and Cameron can't be an unlikable loner, at least not if they're shelling speakers and bottled water. I'd also take a stab and say that that's why there's generally less moralising about technology throughout the film. Because they're kind of lazily selling to Zoomers, and anyone over 35 seems to think that that's all kids care about, Technology and influences have to form, like, a pretty huge part of the plot, <laughs> but because they're selling, they can't even have, like, a lazy moral about the dangers of banking your college fund on being an untouchable online personality. Instead, the big takeaway is that Paget pivots to travel content. I guess you, uh, you gotta be nimble on what, what genre you're producing and if you want to keep those brand deals coming. So with all this in mind, how would you actually remake She's All That? I've been thinking hard about it, and I don't know if you can. (laughs) There's been a slow cleaning up of teen characters over the years. Some of that is a natural byproduct of learning to be less racist, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic, fatphobic. I'm not saying we've nailed that bit, but I do think that part of the desire to swap the roles in He's All That is because we're probably less inclined to think a man who makes a bet about improving a woman is forgivable. Like, how dare you tell her to take off her overalls and put on a pair of high heels? She's comfortable. You can't tell her how to dress. But I think at least some of it also stems from a moral panic about what teens do or don't know. Teen relationships now on screen are either like euphoria or (laughs) degrassi. That is to say that they're either critically acclaimed and kind of gritty or they're moralizing. There's less room in the middle for something frivolous like she's all that where teenagers suck and are mean to each other but then they kiss at the end. Which means that the ultimately unsatisfying conclusion of this particular podcast is that we should probably leave the nostalgia well enough alone. (laughs) at least until we can kind of work out what a middle ground is. So uh, there you have it. I watched He's All That So You Don't Have To. Uh, If you take anything from this podcast, it's that 1999 was a hell of a year for teen classics. We've got 10 Things I Hate About You, Never Being Kissed, Cruel Intentions, Drive Me Crazy, Varsity Blues, Jawbreaker, The Virgin Suicides, American Pie, American Beauty, and She's All That all came out in 1999. I know I'm like genre hopping a little bit, but wow, what a year. The golden age of cinema. (laughs) Anyway, uh, if you're up for a movie marathon, you should uh, talk to me about it next time you see me at the pub. Peace!